Hi there, are you fed up with your wine belly? Embarrassed about your booze boobs? Sick of waking up with a hangover? And tired of never reaching your potential? Welcome to Sober Sassy Life, the podcast for women who are looking for more out of life than the evening rendezvous with the Chardonnay. Let's banish the wine witch for good. Here's your host, Jackie Elliott. Hi everybody, welcome to today's podcast episode. Uh, As I'm recording this, today is Monday the 7th of May 2018 and tomorrow of course will be the 8th of May which will be my third year soberversary. So three years since I had a drink and my life has changed in so many ways, Uh, all of them good and it seems to me like Three years has gone past in a blink of an eye, even though there have been challenges and changes and uh, unexpected happenings, all of those kinds of things. Uh, but although three years sounds, it doesn't sound like a very long time to me now, I am aware that for lots of you starting out on your sober journey, it sounds like a huge amount of time. And um, you are probably more concerned with how to get through the next few weeks than you are worried about how you're going to get through the next few years. So I've put together a few uh, podcasts, uh, three or four podcasts, just reflecting on the different stages of sobriety and the different challenges I've come across, um, the more significant things that I have learned in, in those three years. And today, what I wanted to start off with was dealing with cravings in the first instance and how those cravings um, can morph into into different things over time. And you'll understand what I mean as we go through as we go through this episode. So three years sober um, and saying that now seems completely normal because I love being sober but of course it doesn't start out that way uh, because before I quit drinking finally there was uh, another three years before that of denial which was spent struggling to control my drinking uh, failing denying that I had a problem starting again and the first thing that I had to do was to throw away my need for control So basically surrender this battle against alcohol, uh, this battle of trying to keep it under control, because that for me was a futile fight. The first few days of quitting were actually not very bad at all, um, because I was pretty enthusiastic as we all are when we embark on a new lifestyle, Um, same as we all are when we um, start a new diet or exercise regime and I had I carefully stocked up on soda water and fancy tea and fake beer and cake and all those kinds of things I mean and this uh, enthusiasm of course waned within almost like the first week and I started the old debate in my head again see you don't have any problems giving up you're just overreacting if you were really an alcoholic you'd be tearing your hair out right now and look at you you're fine you're perfectly okay so cravings are really very strange apparitions i mean we expect 
to feel an overwhelming physical urge to glug wine from the bottle, you know, in the same way that pregnant women insist on ice cream and pickles in the middle of the night. But cravings are really only like that in the very early days. So distraction and substitution are the two greatest sober tools that we have to combat the cravings at first. I spent hours weeding, cleaning, decluttering, filing, sweeping, recycling. I took long showers, I journaled, I meditated, I blogged, I read trashy detective novels, I read all kinds of self-help books, sober memoirs, and I went to bed early. And I mean really early. I ate ice cream, I tried all kinds of fake beers, I mixed fruit syrup with soda water, and I drank it out of crystal glasses, all of those things. And organising my sobriety in those first those first weeks and months literally felt like a part-time job. It became an all-consuming project that demanded constant attention and focus. So if we had a day out, I'd be thinking, oh, oh a day out with friends on the boat or a day out with friends camping. How do I manage my sobriety through this? But that after a while starts to become second nature to you what is uh, awkward and what is uh, makes feel makes you feel out of your comfort zone over a time becomes second nature and it didn't feel like I was um I was running around, you know, sobriety wasn't this like to, on my to-do list anymore. Instead of being something that I had to pay attention, it was starting to become part of me. And after a while, I became more confident, of course. I could sit on the couch and watch a movie without feeling jittery. Uh, and to get to this point, I, it it was my love of... Um, what sobriety could bring me my love of hangover free mornings were one of my greatest motivations to stay away from wine stores and ask for something non-alcoholic and social events um without worrying about it and that so the um ability to stay sober was relying um less on my distraction techniques are more on the fact that I was starting to view sobriety as a good thing. But distraction and substitution won't work forever. And I, you know, I was aware also that my busyness was unsustainable. And I was also concerned that my reliance on, you know, substitutional treats would start to mirror the same obsession that I had for drinking. So although I was uh, more successfully dealing with the quitting drinking, um, I was still quite a long way from the actual living sober, although I had started to, uh, to, to like it. Uh, and the cravings come back in a different form. They kind of resurfaced again. Um, and they become, the cravings come back disguised as loneliness, when I was in the middle of a crowd who were all drinking, sort of the awkwardness of not knowing what to do with my hands, the feeling that I was the only one not getting the joke. Um, I was guilty sometimes when I refused to drink on special occasions, you know, saying no to bubbly uh, at a wedding, because you kind of see the disappointment in people's eyes and you imagine to yourself, it's like the, 
the sort of like disapproval because I'd somehow ruined the moment with um, either my holier than thou attitude. This is all in my own head, of course, or the fact that, you know, I couldn't just, you know, go along with a crowd this one time. And also nothing is quite as cruel as a as a romantic moment when this little voice in your head says, oh, my goodness, if you really loved him, you just loosen up a bit and go with the flow. So the, the cravings were not physical cravings anymore, but they were insecurities and resentments and feelings of fa failure. And these are all uh, these all release cravings in a sense. You, you crave to be normal and part of a crowd and you have nostalgia for the good old days. So at that point, you need more than distraction and substitution. And you need, what I needed was a purpose. I needed to find my identity and I just needed to spend a lot more time focusing on sobriety, on the really positive things of sobriety. So it's part of the human condition and it's definitely part of my condition, I think, to find a purpose. And it's that when I started to really analyse the reasons why I had been drinking in the first place and to do the work around that. Um, my purpose had always been a little bit hazy to me. Um, I found it a lot easier to become engaged in other people's purpose. You know, I was a bit like a barnacle that like, clings to the bottom of the boat, uh, trying to make myself a permanent fixture in somebody else's dreams and purposes. I mean, I, I married a man when I was very young who wanted a housewife and wanted somebody who would be like his his mom. And I played house and I made curtains and I learned how to cook. Um, when that fell apart, I found a man who was who wanted me to be thin and he was obsessed with fitness. And so I ran marathons. I had another... Um, affair with a man who wanted his life to be uh, more exciting and he wanted me to be the other woman and he wanted me to provide excitement in his life and all of these roles were for somebody else and every one of these roles filled me with a certain amount of self-loathing and guilt and it was then that I found solace in a glass of wine. Distraction and substitution worked for me for the nuts and bolts of quitting but it is not enough it wasn't enough for me for all the rest for the real work and for that I needed to start to figure out who I was what I wanted to be what I wanted to do with my life and when you're 50 years old uh, as I am now that's that's some major major considerations I had a long discussion with my brother-in-law who works in the counselling and addiction field about people who are sober for years and years and years and then just fall off the wagon. And he said this, you can't distract yourself forever. If you haven't done the work and all you are doing is going through the motions, you've literally just replaced booze with another addiction. Being in recovery becomes another form of avoiding living. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want my purpose in life just to be avoiding booze. So these three years have been about quitting and self-awareness. Uh, so a lot of that time was spent with, with the first part of dealing with putting down the bottle. But a lot of the three years 
have been about figuring out what my purpose is in life and how I'm going to live my life in line with my values, even figuring out what my values are. Heading into my fourth year will still all be about that, uh, or at least being open to my purpose finding me. And I'm really excited about that. So in the next podcast that I'll be doing, I'll be talking about um, a challenge that I had along the way of actually finding out who my purpose was and how the alcohol industry make this really, really difficult for us. So I hope that you will tune in for this uh, next um, next uh, series of podcasts within a podcast uh, all about reflecting on the last three years. If you are struggling with your drinking and you are looking for a community that uh, you would feel comfortable in and who promotes sobriety and will be able to support you a little bit, then consider having a look at Sage, Sassy and Sober, which is a group of really incredible women who are on different uh, stages of their sober journey uh, and would love to have you join them. You can join for your first month for just a dollar to see if you like it, because as I've said many times before, um, all of us have a unique sober path and what works for me may not work for you so we give everybody an opportunity to come in for just a dollar just to feel around and see if it works for them so do have a look at that and thank you so much for listening and i will talk to you all again soon bye for now (laughs) 